Welcome back to another edition of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. This is Mike Coppinger alongside Lance Pugmire of The Athletic. And we are going to be joined today by Matchroom Boxing's Eddie Hearn, who's going to talk about the latest with Fury Joshua. He's going to get into his efforts to keep Canelo Alvarez in the folds and then lay out some of his plans for both the UK and the US in the first half. Lance and I are also going to get into Lance Pugmire's top 25, under 25 in boxing, and then we'll get into some news as well as a look at Showtime's return this Saturday. And if you haven't already, please do so. Subscribe, like, rate, review, and head over to theathletic.com slash pug and cop. All right, everyone, let's get started. Let's get ready to podcast! If you're going to go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. Creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So, this, the only it seems the like only a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. You got to go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. Lance, so you have a story running this week in The Athletic. It's going to be the top 25, under 25. Can you uh, run the th- run by it real quick and let's uh let's get into it and debate it? Sure, sure. Here's my top ten, Mike. Now again, we talk to uh, matchmakers throughout the sport, along with promoters and some other people about you know how these uh, guys pr- will project um, from this point forward. And so this is where we where we have right now. Uh, number one, or maybe I should start with number ten. Yeah, We've, yeah. Let's let's go let's, let's go one by let's go one by one. Actually, I think we should start at. Start at 10 and then we'll debate me, each one. Let me start at 10 because right out, right away, that was like a debate for me because I knew there was some honor in landing in the top 10. And for, for me, it basically came down to Mexico's Isaac Cruz. I don't think his first name is pronounced uh, that way, but uh, against. Not. <laughs> yeah, okay, say, say it, Mike. It's like, yeah. I think it's Isaac. Isaac. I, Isaac. Yeah. Isaac. Cruz, yes. Against um, uh, Elvis Rodriguez. You know, I went back and forth on that. Elvis is going to be number 11. Isaac Cruz is number 10. I just felt like um, the guy has substantial power. He's a um, uh, homegrown Mexico talent, Mexican talent who is going to have that, you know, uh, that audience behind him as he proceeds. Um, you talk to the people around him, they're very high on, on, on who he can become, that he may be, you know, two, three fights away from a, a world title. And um, so he he ended up in the top ten. Right, Number well, so already we disagree. I would have okay. gone with Elvis Rodriguez. How come? Um, uh, Elvis, you know, he's shown a lot of power. He's just moving quickly, and top ranks really high on him. He's just blazing through it. Uh, Isaac Cruz was impressive against Diego Magdaleno, although Magdaleno is you know obviously way past it. But you know, Isaac Cruz is right there. I would have won with Elvis. Yeah, a lot of this, Mike, and and part or at least part of this has to do with like who these guys have faced and how good they are, and it, oftentimes that kind of like shapes your uh, final uh, opinion. Number nine. Um, speaking of a guy who's like dominated against uh, some competition that people have criticized, is Edgar Berlanga. Obviously, riding that sixteen fight first round knockout streak. Uh, this is a guy who has a lot of buzz around him. He was the Athletics uh, Prospect of the Year. And, um, you know, as a very personable guy who's going to be headlining a, a card if uh, COVID holds off or um, starts decreasing at Madison Square Garden in June for a Puerto Rican uh, uh, weekend. So, um, you know, a lot of people are very high on the future of Edgar Berlanga. Yeah, I love Berlanga. Uh, 16 first round knockouts, 16 fights, obviously crazy power. We've yet to see uh, what else he has, but power is real and it 
you know, I think the the pick here is that he's for real. And we're going to probably see him first fight in April um, before he fights in that bigger fight in June. And that fight in June could be against a guy like Gabe Rosado, maybe. And we're going to see. But I think it's going to be a real step up. Yeah. Number eight on the list, Mike, was a guy who actually took a, uh, a significant fall on the list. I believe last year, last time we did this, he was number two. He goes falls to number eight. He actually won his fight. And that is the former uh, WBC super middleweight champion of the world, undefeated David Benavides, who missed weight by three pounds. Um, you know, let's not continue to rehash it, but he does have like a cocaine positive in his distant uh, rear view mirror. And this is a guy who ultimately... The people that I'm talking to are saying, yes, he's got a lot of talent. And I was thinking to myself, like, he says all the right things. But you have to judge some people by their actions at some point. And his actions are lacking, Mike. I mean, we see how good he, we, I think we all know how good he can be. And he probably does deserve to be in the top five. But um, he's falling short right now. And he's, uh, you know, uh, he, he paid the price in the rankings. Yeah, disappointing. He didn't make way for his defense against Romer Angulo. Very talented guy. And he's going to be back in March, I'm told, and again at 168 pounds. So, look, this guy needs a big fight. He's got to fight Caleb Plant. I, I don't think they should be marinating this I fight, so it. to speak. Yeah. I want to go again with what Ryan Garcia told us last week, microwave. This wouldn't even be the microwave at this point because this fight's been ready for a while now. Let's just put it in the oven. Absolutely, Mike. I, I totally agree. And I think that fight date, if I'm not mistaken, for Benavides is going to be March 13th. So, um, look, I think, you know, knowing him, uh, knowing his talent, we're all rooting for this guy. It's just a matter of, can he get it together? Uh, number seven, and I actually wrote this in the in the story, Mike. I said, no matter where I put this guy on the list, I think anyone would have said, you've got him too low. Based on the the talent that we see in this guy, it's Jerron Boots-Ennis of Philadelphia, just a, a dominant um, you know welterweight right now who looks so strong and looks so skilled, almost like a, I mean, you dare to say it, but there are some similarities to Roy Jones Jr. Do you think he's too low on the list based on the talent you've seen in the ring? Definitely sounds like he's too low, Lance, but I'm going to have to see who you have above him before I really take offense. Okay. Well, uh, the next guy on the list, number six, is Jaime Munguia. Uh, former yeah, 150... Yeah, come on, Lance. Wait a minute. Former world <laughs> champion. Former world champion. Also, a, a you know, native from Mexico, he's going to have big audiences. A lot of people are, are into this guy. Look at what he did his last fight, and he's got a big fight perhaps coming up. As uh, you know, we'll, we can ask Eddie Hearn about this. Maybe he's got a shot to fight Triple G, and if he wins that fight, Mike, I'm telling you, this guy's got a lot of uh, upside uh, heading toward a, a, a super fight uh, of, of of all Mexicans against Canelo Alvarez. Lance, I find this offensive. I think How come? Tell I, me I, why. I assure you, if he fights Triple G, Triple G will just pick this guy apart. The guy has no head movement, no defense. He, I don't even know if he's that good yet. I mean, the guy certainly he is a fun fighter. He's a fun action fighter. But to say he's on the even on the same level as Ennis, I think is insulting to Ennis. And we might have to get Ennis on the show here now to see what <laughs> he thinks about this. Yes, yes, you're right. You're right. And, and you know, I'll look at you know. You can point to I think that Boots was sidelined for a little bit. He He's not really widely known. I think that's probably, you know, contributing to where he is at, at this list. But like I said, there, um, there you'll get no dispute from me about the talent that we see from him in the ring. Number five, Mike, is uh, Virgil Ortiz. You know, he's, this is a guy who's uh, a Texan, who's going to have a big audience. DAZN is given, putting him on main events now. He's got a big fight coming up against uh, Maurice Hooker. Uh, the former the former world champion, 
And this is going to be a, sort of a defining uh, fight for Virgil Ortiz to just see how good he is. But again, in watching his fights, you kind of know how good he is, right? Yeah, I mean, look, hard not to love uh, what we've seen from Virgil Ortiz so far. This guy has a great jab. He's really disciplined in and out of the ring, it seems. And I'm excited to see what he can do. I think he has a big future ahead. Yeah, you know, again, for the second straight time I've done this, Mike, I went back and forth on these guys that are at three and four. And at the end of the day, I decided to put Shakur Stevenson at number four with Devin Haney at number three. Um, you know, look, both of these guys have uh, uh, tremendous talent. Um, they're in divisions where there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, in very interesting, popular fights. Um, they both have, you know, great upside. And it was, you know, I would say razor thin between three and four, but I went with Haney over Shakur. Have any beef with that one? No, I mean, that's a pick em. Um, You know, both guys are really talented. Defense, defensive first fighters, uh, two extraordinary talents. Um, and I think this is going to be a big year for both of them in terms of their development and seeing what they can do. And hopefully they get the fights to show that. Yeah, it seems like they will. I mean, I, I, obviously, um, you know, we can ask... Um, Eddie Hearn about his plans for Devin Haney, but Shakur Stevenson being in there with all those 130 pounders and that most of them fight for top rank, it seems like a slam dunk that he's going to get those types of fights. Um, speaking of another guy that wants uh, a major fight at number two and coming off a, a tremendous victory on January 2nd with his uh, 8 million plus Instagram followers and just a, a ton of heart as he displayed in the ring is Ryan Garcia. Uh, bolts up the uh, uh, up the rankings into the number two spot. I mean, given you know, you know, this list, Mike is is really about like who the most intriguing guys are in this weight class or in this age class of 25, 25 and younger. Ryan Garcia deserves to be way up there, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Ryan proved it against Luke Campbell, so um, no issue with that either. The list is getting better after the Mungia hiccup. Uh, thank you, Mike. And then number one <laughs> is. Uh, uh, the unified lightweight champion, Teofimo Lopez. Look, he uh, stepped in there. He dared to be great against Vasily Lomachenko. He won a decision. Um, he he wants all the big fights. He says all the right things. And, and more than that, I think he means uh, what he says. And so I think this guy stands for everything that we want out of a, a young fighter on his way up. And Teofimo Lopez being the epitome of that, I believe he, he is a... Uh, a well-deserved number one on this list. Yeah, he's got to be number one, no question there. And uh, good overall list, Lance. Like I said, uh, just the one hiccup in my opinion, but excited to read it in The Athletic, and that'll be available this week over. And if you're not a subscriber, again, you can go to theathletic.com slash cop. Lance, now we're going to be joined by the man, or at least as he calls himself, Eddie Hearn. Big plants take over boxing in the U.S. and in the world. And we're going to see what Eddie has to say now about Joshua Fury, Canelo Alvarez, you know, fighting on February 27th, probably with the zone and a whole lot more. Eddie, welcome to the show. Eddie, what's the latest there with Canelo? You're going to be promoting his next fight, right? Um, there's a good chance. I mean, um, we had a great time, although our guy lost in December. It was a pleasure to be working with Canelo and Eddie Reynoso. Um, you know, he know you, we know that he has the yield dream mandatory, which he wants to fit in in between his notorious schedule of May and September, which is great to see him so active. Um, we are in discussions with a couple of venues at the moment, um, and I'm hoping we can get there. 
you know, hoping that we can finalise a deal. I think, you know, it's six weeks away. So we really need to get that announced this week. And hopefully he chooses us. It would be a real honour to promote Canelo Alvarez. Yeah, Eddie, I was told that the major deal points at least were already agreed to with you and Canelo's side. Uh, obviously, you need a site. And we know Texas has shut down boxing for the foreseeable future. Does Miami make the most sense? We heard you talk about that in the past. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we have had a couple of conversations with uh, Miami, the Hard Rock Arena there, Miami Dolphins, which is an incredible, incredible venue. And, you know, as a fight fan, as a Brit, you know, it would be an honor to, to promote an event at the Miami Dolphins uh, ground. You know, we know that Miami has been hot and cold, mainly cold for boxing over the years, but it's always sort of, I've always had that curiosity as to why, you know, it is one of the states that is open right now. It is one of the states that's holding major events. Um, I guess it's more of a risk in terms of numbers than Texas because of the lack of major fight events there. But Canelo Alvarez is someone that transcends that. You know, I think he's, this isn't a, an unknown world champion. This is one of the biggest stars in the sport, if not the biggest star in the sport. So, you know, I think that uh, wherever you go will be interesting and, and it would be nice to do something different. But I do love Texas, you know, and I did love being there in December. We are talking to Brian Francis and the Texas Commission there because it looks like we'll hold Chocolatito against Estrada there in March. And oh. if we can squeeze one more in on February 27th, that would definitely be a great option for us as well. Great. When do you expect to hear from Texas, Eddie, to get that, you know, kind of tightened up as to where you're going? I think probably in the next 48 hours, Lance. I mean, you know, um, obviously it's frustrating because February 27th is two days away from March when, you know, they plan to sort of re reopen boxing, if you yeah. like. And it is Canelo Alvarez. It is a great opportunity for uh, Texas, um, you know, for the sport, for the commission. But, you know, they've, they've got to act as they feel best. I've got a lot of respect for Brian Francis and the team there. We had a, a, a fantastic time working with them uh, on December 19th. And ultimately, we respect their decision. Hopefully, they give us the green light and hopefully we can bring another major fight to Texas. All right, Lance, let's take a real quick pause here as we hear from one of our sponsors. Eddie, it seems like it's such a natural for you with Canelo. I mean, you jumped on the last fight. You did a very impressive job. I can't remember a Canelo show that was as as, as impressive as that one. And now you have the opportunity to do this fight and maybe even get him in there against your fighter, Billy Joe Saunders, in May. Um, give us a can you can you specify like how how close it seems to you know being the promoter of choice for Canelo moving forward. Um, I mean, look, it's massive for us. You know, it's um, as a fan, Canelo is is one of my favourite fighters. You have to say he's pound for pound number one. You know, I think the two biggest global stars in boxing are Canelo Alvarez and Anthony Joshua. And if we got to promote both of them, then obviously it would be it would be an honour, and we'd be in a wonderful position. Um, I have a lot of respect for Eddie Reynoso. We have a great relationship across a few fighters, and when the opportunity arose, you know, it was, it was difficult with with Callum Smith because I wanted Callum Smith to win. <laughs> so I couldn't really get involved as I would have liked to have been in, in the team, the whole team Canelo thing. You know, I want to wear the track yeah. suits, right. you know, I mean, yeah. he sent me, a, I have to say a, a huge thank to Canelo Alvarez because he gave me a pair of Dolce Gabbana pajamas, you know, and, uh, after wow. I saw him wear them at the win. He really sent them over to you. Better than that. He actually 
got them for me before I left Texas. So it was a classy move, you know, it was, uh, it was a great gesture. And, you know, although I don't look as cool as him in the pajamas, um, you know, sometimes little thing, little, little gestures like that, they mean a lot, you know, and for Canelo Alvarez, the pound for pound number one, to put his faith in me, if he does, as his promoter, it would be an honour. And, you know, the responsibility would be huge. And I take it very, very seriously. Um, so, you know, we cross our fingers. I feel like we have a great relationship. Um, and I feel like there's so much we could do together, you know, not just solidify his position as the undisputed champ at 168 pounds, but take him around the world and box him around the world. You know, he's, he's that good. He could be the greatest fighter of our generation. And, um, you know, like I say, as a fan... As a promoter, it would be an honour. You know, I don't want to, you know, sing his praises too much just in case he doesn't choose me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I hope hopefully we can get something done. Eddie, all you can do is put yourself out there and hope for the best. Um, a star cross, Eddie Hearn here. doing it for years, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you can do. <laughs> just waiting on the right one, you know, Eddie? But uh, speaking of two other stars, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, it seems to be a formality at this point that they are going to fight this year. Uh, regardless of this wilder litigation that seems to be picking up now with the arbitration being initiated soon, what do you think is the last hurdle for Fury and Joshua to finally get this completely finalized? Well, probably to sign an agreement. You know, I think at the moment it's difficult because I don't, I don't want to bore people. In every interview I give, you know, it's like the same answers, the same answers. And everyone says, oh, you said that last week. And, you know, the fact is, is we're in great shape. You know, we're drafting contracts at the moment. Um, the devil is always in the detail. It can always fall apart, but no one's looking at anything else. You know, it's not like normally, oh, there's that other fight you could take instead, or there's that other promoter over there who's lurking with a big offer from another network. This is it. You know, this is the fight for both guys. So we still have to sign contracts. So it's never done until, you know, that moment, or in this case, in this world we live in today, it's never done until they're in the ring. But certainly we're moving at a good pace. We're moving in the right direction. And, and we're probably on the verge of going out and, and trying to talk through and confirm some of these offers that we've had to stage the fight around the world. And that's really the next step to look at the site fees, look at the venues and, and make sure both fighters are happy. I mean, this fight is going to land in the Middle East more than likely, yeah? Uh, all the Far East. I mean, you know, we've had about eight offers now from different countries. Hmm. Some realistic, some not so realistic. But, you know, we've had some big plays from, from the Far East as well. Middle East is the natural option. You know, you'd always think that through the success of Ruiz against Joshua in Saudi, they'd want that fight and they do. And, you know, we've had offers from other countries in the Middle East as well. But the Far East, you know, Singapore and China are making big plays as well. And, um, you know, we've just got to look into those in great depth. I don't want to waste people's time. You know, I don't want to, I'm not someone that goes and has all these meetings when things aren't done. When I know the opportunities there, when I know I can sit down with someone and say, if you pay the right money, you, you've got this fight. You know, and we'll, we'll work through that with top rank and uh, make sure that the fighters are happy and we can maximize their revenue for the fight. It's a massive fight, not only because it's a heavyweight unification fight, Eddie. It's massive because, like, it's very difficult to say who's going to win this fight. I mean, me and Mike as, you know, neutral journalists, well, I look at it and it's it's a tough one to to pick on. I, I've picked, uh, I've settled on Joshua just saying that his power is is more supreme. And I think Well, that's good because Mike thinks Fury's going to win. He's, he's wrong. That's he's correct. 
Yeah. Uh, but lay it out, lay it out for me. How would you, I know you're his promoter, but how do you see this fight going in? And can you talk about the quality of the match itself? Yeah, I think it's a tremendous fight on so many different levels, isn't it? I mean, not just stylistically, but in terms of the two characters, you know, they're both very different. Um, you know, Tyson Fury has been fighting since virtually he came out of the womb and, you know, Anthony Joshua picked up boxing at a late stage, had a limited amateur career but it did involve Olympic world, uh, Olympic gold, you know, and the silver in a world champ. So AJ for me is someone that impresses me more and more every day. In fact, spending time with Canelo Alvarez, the two are very similar, you know, not, mm. not in terms of fighting style, but in terms of mindset, love of the sport and their willingness to improve and their willingness to create a legacy. So um, I agree, you know, I think it's a very tough fight to call. I do think it's a 50-50 fight, but I give my man the edge. You know, I believe he has the speed and the power um, styles do make fights and, and Fury is going to be tricky for anyone but you know AJ is not Deontay Wilder you're not going to be able to just pour him off and just keep him at bay and you know this is a big strong heavyweight that likes to fight on the inside likes to fight on the outside his jab is underrated you know his feet are underrated all of these things and he, and he punches very hard so he needs to get in there he needs to get amongst it and he needs to set it off on Tyson Fury early in the fight and I do believe he'll stop him um, wow. I do believe these guys could fight 10 times and you might get different results every time. Who knows? But um, what's going to matter is that first time and, of course, the second time. But I just believe that AJ is getting better and better. And, you know, the best time to fight AJ is now rather than in two, three, four fights time because he's going to be even better by then. But I've for a long time believed that he's the best heavyweight in the world. And um, I, I believe he. I believe he knocks Tyson Fury out. You know, I know that Fury got up from a Wilder shot, the two-shot combination, which he rode very well. None of those shots hit him particularly clean. They were still heavy shots, but you know, you've seen him down against Cunningham. You know, you've seen him hurt before in other fights, and and AJ's a different kind of beast. You now, if he has you hurt, he's not going to let you go. And, and and you know, I'm going to be taking a lot of money off Mike Coppinger in that fight. <laughs> me too. Well, me too. He did have yeah. Ruiz hurt, and he did let him, he did let Ruiz off the hook. So that's well, one already. You no, know, he didn't. He tried not to let him off the hook. You know, it wasn't it wasn't because he decided to let him off the hook. He walked onto a left hand, but somehow hit him on the, the absolute sweetest spot on the temple. So you know, there's I like it because there's still the jury. I guess for some reason remains out on Anthony Joshua, despite what he's achieved, despite his resume. And he goes into this fight as the underdog, the betting underdog. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that because it gives him the bit between the teeth. And, um, you know, the great thing about this fight is the belts are great. And, you know, I had a little bit of a back and forward with Maurizio Suleiman last night because, you know, I'm, I did an article where I said, you know, maybe the belts evaporate in a fight like this. And, you know, the governing bodies have got to be careful because there's a lot of risk in boxing right now for promoters and the people putting up the money. and you know, the, the governing bodies remain intact, taking the percentage. Um, I don't think you like that very much, but I have a few, huge amount of respect for Maurizio and the Bells. But this fight, it just tells you who is the best, doesn't it? You know, there's no arguments. You know, Mike, you believe that Fury wins this fight. If Anthony Joshua wins this fight, you have to sit there and say he's the best heavyweight in the world and vice versa for me. You know, if it doesn't go our way, Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in the world. But this is the first time in a long time that you can genuinely say it. And that, for me, is bigger than the belts. 
you know, that's about proving who is the best, who is the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, no doubt about it. As boxing goes, is uh, how the heavyweight division goes. So just a couple things on when you talked about the devils and the details. Um, is there still talk about having a second fight being part of this deal? And I had heard that there's some momentum being made that maybe you can keep the WBO belt to be part of this fight. Yeah, I mean, firstly, it is a two-fight deal. You know, that's okay. that's uh, part of the agreement of the fight. I think these guys could fight four or five times and maybe you end up seeing that. Um, with regards to the WBO belt, that's still ongoing. I mean, once this deal is made, we'll write to all the governing bodies and we will say, do you want to be part of the biggest fight of our era? Do you want to be part of the biggest fight in boxing? Do you want to be part and are you happy for this fight to be undisputed? And that question mainly goes to the WBO. You know, I've had some great conversations with Paco and Gustavo um, at the WBO who are fair people. You know, on one hand, you can't not be part of this fight, right? You can't stop this undisputed heavyweight fight because if we do, we might as well, like I said, with the governing bodies, we might as well pack up. But at the same time, you can't disrespect and disregard the position of Alexander Usyk, the mandatory challenger. So we have to make sure that Usyk is happy. We have to make sure that there's a fair resolution. But we also must, must make sure, quite frankly, that all the belts are on the line. Because that's what AJ's always wanted. And, and just in my arguments, you know, I said, if, if one belt's missing, we might as well vacate all the belts. Because this fight, the, only, the, the value in this fight is it tells us who the best heavyweight in the world is, and it gives the winner the chance to be undisputed and win all the belts. You know, Eddie, I would really love to see you, Joshua Fury, and everyone get together and throw all the belts in the trash at the press yeah. conference to kick it off. But I don't think you guys have the balls to do it. <laughs> there you go, Mike. Mike, what's the matter with you? Don't you like the governing bodies? Yeah, I, have, I also have a huge amount of respect for Mauricio Suleiman. You're right. So I don't even know what I'm saying here. <laughs> Look, I would say this, though. The one thing is, Mike, is when you talk to a young fighter, you know, you can't disregard the, the, the want of a young fighter to win a world championship belt. You know, those pictures are ingrained in history. You know, Hagler, you know, with, with the world championship, Sugar Ray Leonard with a WBC belt. You know, I mean, that is, and, and it's a bold move to say we're getting rid of the belts, you know, and we're just going to create a new belt or, you know, I don't know what you do. I don't want to do that. I want to make it clear, you know, this isn't me saying, or oh, boxing's about to change, we're getting rid of the belts. I'm just saying that sometimes... You know, we're doing shows right now where, you know, we've got, we've got a risk of seven figures on a show. Now, we could lose a couple of million bucks on a show, right? But for the governing body, the email and the invoice keeps on coming in, you know? Yeah, so exactly. we, just, we just have to make sure. And, and by the way, a lot of what they do, you know, they do a lot of good for the sport as well. You know, I, I know that your relationship with Maurizio is up and down, but... You know, they are involved in a lot of great causes as well at the same time. But we're running a business here and we have to be allowed to do things that benefit the sport, especially if we're paying for it. But you can't also disregard people's rights like Alexander Usyk. Does that make sense? So we can't just go, sorry, Usyk, because I, one day I'll have a fighter in that position. I'll be saying, no, 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 hang on. You can't do this to me. I'm a man, you know, but ultimately we just need a bit of common sense. And, and you know, we're in an era right now. It's going to be the same this year. Boxing's just got to brace itself. We've all got to hold hands and we've got to wait for the storm to pass. 
Right. But to use an American term, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. And the number one complaint I have from people who used to watch boxing, who no longer watch it is they have no idea who the champion is. There's too many champions. And now in 2021, we're at a point where some of the sanctioning organizations even have two champions. So somebody's going to have to fix this. And if it's not you, I don't know who it is. Maybe it's you. Maybe it is. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. You've got, um, uh, but moving you, on, yeah. Eddie, you know, you have Canelo Alvarez is trying to finalize the two-fight deal now. It seems like Billy Joe Saunders is in the best position to get that Canelo fight in May. But what, what does that leave us with Demetrius Andrade and his mandatory with Liam Williams, your efforts to make Andrade against Billy Joe Saunders? How does this all play out, you think, in the middleweight division and super middleweight division there? Well, the WBO have called that fight and called Perspids with Williams. So you are likely to see Andrade Williams as you know in a, as early as spring, you know, maybe even March. So we need to get that fight done and out of the way. The path is really clear for Billy Joe Saunders to fight Canelo Alvarez. We've just got to try and a, a, agree a deal with him to to do that, you know. And um, you know we are at a stage now where we don't have the guarantees of the major gates, and a lot of fighters are taking less money. That's not really a conversation that. You enjoy having with Billy Joe Saunders and, you know, he feels that he can win the fight, but he also wants to be rewarded for the fight. I understand. So we've got to try and reach a deal with him, which we're close to doing. You know, he really needs that fight too, you know, but he's not just going to take it by any means necessary. Um, But if Billy believes he can win that fight, which I believe he thinks he does, and I think he's got a great shot in the fight, then he needs to take the opportunity and hopefully we can get him over the line for that fight on Cinco de Mayo weekend. You recently announced your um, UK schedule, Eddie, and you've got a uh, basically the headline headliner among the five cards that I see is the Pavetkin Dillian White rematch, March six. Mm. How excited are you for that fight? Excited, but very nervous. You know, Dillian's become a good friend. He's he's a real rugged individual. You know, this is a guy who was really paying for his own fights when he turned pro. Um, Looked like a big favourite to beat Alexander Povetkin and a particularly big favourite after, what, four rounds. And just one of the most stunning knockouts I've ever seen uh, a yeah. fight live. You know, the whole, I know there was no crowd, but even the people that were there were just were just numb. And this is such a big fight now for the career of Dillian White because if he's going to get that shot at a world title or he's going to keep fighting these huge fights, he must beat Povetkin on March the 6th. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when it, when it comes to the U, your US schedule, Eddie, I mean, You've mentioned some fights like Demetrius, um, you know, it could be Canelo. You've already got Estrada and Chocolatito on the books. What else is going to happen in the first half of the year with Matchroom here in the USA? Well, obviously, we hope that we can bring Canelo um, to a Matchroom and and his own show on February 27th. And then, of course, we have Chocolatito against Estrada unification fight on March 13th, which I just think is just a great, great fight. Demetrius Andre will likely figure that month as well. April will be Devin Haney and we dream of the Ryan Garcia fight if the zone want to try and enforce that one along with the WBC. But we know he's got dreams of fighting Javonta Davis. And if he does, respect to him. That's a big fight as well. Um, There's other fights in the pipeline. Another one that I'd love to make is uh, Dimitri Bivol against Gilberto Ramirez. You know, Dimitri needs a big breakout fight. Mm -hmm. Ramirez is a good fighter. I feel like he needs a big fight as well. That's a good fight to make. And, you know, Josh Warrington who is now, you know, in, in with all due respect, probably a bit of a tick over fight on February the 13th. We have to try and make this uh, Kanzu fight, or if not, Gary Russell. You know, Warrington against Gary Russell is a great fight. And Gary Russell sits mm-hmm. there with no fight scheduled, with nothing planned. You know, 
So hopefully he can dive in and take a big fight like that. So couple that with Joshua Fury and, and, and a, a Gennady Golovkin fight of some sort, and you really have an electric first six months of the year. Is it going to be, is, it, is there a chance that it'll be Golovkin against Munguia? That's a fight that's been discussed. I think it's a great fight. Oh, yeah. You know, I have to be honest. I still like Golovkin against Demetrius Andre because it's a unification fight. It's a really interesting matchup, but, you know, no one's queuing up to fight Demetrius Andre because of, of his ability. Um, Mungia Golovkin is a firefight, isn't it? Great, great oh, fight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think Gennady's looking for that, that big fight as well. I think probably two of those this year. Talk about Tito Estrada. You said Texas. Is that going to be uh, San Antonio, Dallas? Um, there's a couple of, of options there. Won't be Dallas. Could be Houston. If we don't go there with Canelo, uh, could be um, uh, San Antonio. Could be Corpus Christi down there, which is uh, could be fun and wild. And, you know, but I think it's, you know, I really want fans for that fight. You know, oh, I mean, man. it's going to be just a fight, a year contender before it's even started. You know that. But I really want to see fans there. And that's going to be got a great card to announce uh, this week, actually. We'll be finalizing that. It's going to be a world championship triple header. And it's going to be a really great night on March 13th. So where does Rungvisai play into all of this? So he fights the winner. So he was the mandatory for Estrada. Um, he's, we've given him another fight in Thailand. So these two will fight on March 13th. And then the winner will fight Rungvisai later this year. Eddie, is it because of COVID that, I mean, I know Canelo expressed interest in maybe taking his fight to Mexico. Um, you could have maybe put Estrada and Chocolatito in Mexico. Is there difficulty in getting a fight down there? Yeah, the numbers obviously are spiraling there. And, you know, I think obviously we know that the numbers are high everywhere and that includes Texas, but we have got a good model in place with Texas. Our bubble was fantastic for the Canelo fight. You know, so was our policing of the event, the stewarding of the event there. And you know, if we do go to somewhere like Houston, obviously they've had, I think, six or seven NFL games there since, since September. So they're really geared up now for big events. And, you know, to be able to get that many people in an event in a, in a venue these days is really special for boxing. Eddie, before we let you go real quick, one last question. What's one fight you think could materialize for Matchroom in 2021 that's not on anyone's really radar, really, that we haven't even thought of? Dillian White against Deontay Wilder. Whoa. I love, love that, that fight. fight. I mean, listen, we all know Dillian's got to take care of business on March 6th, and that's going to be a tough rematch against Povetkin. And we all know that he wants a world title fight, but He's been calling that fight out for four or five years and not once did Wilder take the bait. In fact, I think Wilder once DM'd him to say, just to let you know, you will never get the opportunity to fight me. You know, there's that much goading. And now Wilder's been defeated. He's calling out Dillian White as well. So we'll see. Let those guys keep winning. If, if uh, Dillian can't get a world title fight later after the Povetkin fight, I would love to do that fight. That's huge numbers in the UK. Huge numbers in the US. The build-up will be immense. And uh, it'll be a real fun fight too. All right, there you have it. Thank you so much to Eddie Hearn, Matchroom Boxing, for joining us today on the Pug and Cobb Boxing Show. Cheers, Thank guys. You. Take care. We'll be back right in a minute after we hear from one of our sponsors. There you have it. Thank you so much again to Eddie Hearn for joining us. Lots to say as always. And if you're not already, you can follow Eddie Hearn on Twitter and on Instagram at Eddie Hearn. 
Lance, what was your initial reaction? Anything that really caught you by surprise? You know, it, it happens often when I talk to Eddie or when we talk to Eddie. I mean, his in excitement and his enthusiasm and his love for the sport. I mean, this guy wants to be involved in all of it. And he wants to make this sport as big as it can possibly be. And you've got to admire the guy. It's not, you know, it's not being a fanboy of Eddie Hearn. It's like being around the sport. And for so many years, um, you know, people talking about the obstacles that stand between fights. This is a guy that wants to break down those obstacles and those barriers and allow these fights to proceed. I mean, the way he promoted Canelo Alvarez in this first fight I think it was exactly what Canelo Alvarez needs. I mean, you need to embrace the idea that this guy is a global figure. And Eddie Hearn, instead of saying like, hey, we're going to keep this guy in Southern California or Las Vegas or whatever and just, you know, keep it at that. No, let's take this guy throughout the world. I, I mean, I love it. I love Eddie's um, uh, energy. Um, it seems to be, you know, just a nonstop um, in regards to um, how how he wants to work his, his ass off to make this sport and his fighters as big as they possibly can be. I mean, has, has there been some bumps along the road? Absolutely. But it's not for lack of trying. And I think we, we heard that again, Mike. I mean, how about you? What was your takeaway? Yeah, I'm excited to know that, that Chocolatito and Estrada are probably going to have fans. I think that's important. I think Eddie's right that Miami is an untapped market. I mean, it's a city with a rich history, great weather. I think we should have more fights there. And I do hope to see Canelo Yildirim at Hard Rock Stadium. That would be an awesome... Awesome fight there. Um, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious that Canelo is going to be fighting with Eddie Hearn next. And Fury Joshua is going to happen too. So I think some big things coming for, for Matchroom in the zone. I agree, Mike. I mean, I, I remember doing a story a couple of years ago when I was at the LA Times and Derek Jeter, um, you know, taking uh, over to Miami Marlins had expressed interest, interest to some boxing people that he also wants to bring more boxing events to, uh, you know, South Florida and allow that the, the sport to thrive there. I mean, when you when you think of, you know, all the history there of Ali being of training down there and some of the things that have uh, happened throughout the years, all the great Cuban fighters who are so close. I mean, it's a slam dunk. I mean, why wouldn't you um, try to tap into that market and see what it's got? So, you know, look, you bring Canelo. It's a great idea. And let's hope that it works out. Yeah, absolutely, Lance. Um, and you know, obviously, some news to get into. Um, we had Sergey Kovalev test positive last week for synthetic testosterone. Well, we shouldn't say positive last week. It, the positive test was revealed last week. And it's a shame. It's canceling uh, a fight I was really looking forward to against Bektamir Melikuziev on January 30th. That fight's now off. Kovalev can still have his B sample uh, tested, but the fight is off either way. Uh, just a shame. I was that was one of the that was the first big fight of 2021. Not a mega event, but a really intriguing fight. And um, a real step up, step up from El Kuziev. And now we have to see where Kovalev goes from here. Golden Boy owed him a one fight at $2.5 million from that Canelo deal. I'm not sure what's going to happen now. Where do you think he goes? Is this it for him? I, you know, I, I put in the mailbag today, Mike, that I said uh, he, he should probably just wrap it up. And I heard that uh, Russia is nice this time of year. You know, it's like, let's look at, let's look at from the time he has lost to, for the first time to Andre Ward, some of the missteps that Kovalev has been involved in, you know, whether it be this uh, assault case that he was involved in with the woman, um, his misbehavior on an airplane that you reported on so uh, diligently, um, his response, you know, after getting the Canelo fight where you say like, okay, this guy should be very appreciative 
of where he's got. And then saying the things that he said after the fight, like that he had no chance of winning. And now this, Mike, I mean, you know what? You've brought a lot of um, shame and you've uh, you've come across as a real uh, poor example of sportsmanship. And honestly, I I for one, I, I understand. I thought that it was it said a lot about Beck Bully that he was still willing to fight Kovalev even after the positive test. I mean, we, we got to keep an eye on him uh, in the future. But Kovalev, you know, if he goes away, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to miss him based on a, a lot of these uh, missteps that have happened, including, you know, if this B sample comes back as positive for testosterone, it's like, why are you here anymore? Yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, the behavior, uh, questionable behavior for a long time now. You know, the racist stuff with Donna Stevenson and now uh, doping charge outside of the ring. So, yeah, I think this. You know, he's looked like he's well past it. He was he was an excellent fighter in his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some two good fights with Andre Ward. A lot of people said Andre Ward took his soul. Maybe that was true. And um, you know. It's just a shame because that fight fell out. And now we have another fight that might fall out. Joseph Diaz Jr., February 13th against Shafkat Rakimov. Another interesting golden boy fight. Rakimov tested positive for COVID a couple of weeks ago. And I'm told there's still a chance the fight could stay intact. uh, That he has to be tested again and see. Um, But, you know, we're going to hope to see what happens with that. COVID obviously playing and looming large everywhere. Between fights, cancellations, and uh, the ability to hold fans and secure sites. So, we'll see there. Um, uh, Lance, and one, then- one of the, one of the things that we want to keep an eye on Mike as reporters is the effects of COVID. I mean, we've had a couple of guys, including Jamel Herring who tested positive for COVID and then came back and fight. And I had a question in, in, uh, from a reader in the mailbag this week about like, are these fighters experiencing any of those, of, of the effects, even though they're, they're cleared and they're negative, um, are there, is their lung capacity diminished? Are they, are they feeling it, you know, as they, as the fights stretch into the eighth, ninth, 10th round. And that's something that maybe we just want to keep an eye on, you know, as some of these fights, as some of these fighters like Stephen Fulton, who's coming back, uh, for his delayed shot, uh, title shot against Angelo Leo Saturday on Showtime. You know, he's another guy that, you know, is dealing with this. So I think that's, that's something that we're going to want to watch. Uh, another thing, Mike, that I was uh, told this past week by, um, well, um, he asked me actually to like keep his name out of all of it, but he, Bob Arum said a little bit, acknowledged that there is some it's kind of back and forth going on between um, his side and PBC representing Errol Spence and Aram obviously representing Terrence Crawford. Uh, for those two to try to get together and fight, Aram's big thing is, is that he actually said, you know what I admire the most about Al Heyman right now is that he doesn't talk to you guys. And he's like, and I don't want to talk to you guys right now either. He's like, we just, it's our only chance to make this is that if everyone involved just shuts our mouth and allows this, this process to try to uh, play out. Um, Aram's big point um, that he has repeated previously is that PBC and Fox would be very smart to use top rank and ESPN Plus to help distribute this fight on pay-per-view, that the ESPN Plus uh, route of going about you know, pay-per-view is very lucrative and it's going to enhance um, the amount of people who will be buying this fight. So you know, whether this fight can, can get done this year, Mike, I think kind of will hinge on these conversations because I don't know that it will happen uh, any other way. 
Uh, what's your thoughts? Do you think do you think this uh, will happen? I mean, I remain incredibly skeptical that we're going to see this fight this year. How come? I, I just don't think PBC wants to throw a life raft to top-ranking Crawford, so to speak, when Crawford's contract expires in October. I think that we might not see Crawford fight Spence until and if he signs with PBC. But um, look, I do agree with one thing with Bob. It, it would help PBC uh, with the promotion to have ESPN involved and also financially to not have to bear the brunt of the entire promotion, uh, paying both guys. It's going to be an expensive fight. So, But again... I'll believe it when I see it um, <laughs> between Crawford and Spence. It's been a while now. We're getting to Mac- we're starting to get into Mayweather-Pacquiao territory with how long this fight's dragging out. So we'll let's see what happens there. But again, Bob says he's not going to talk. We'll see Bob talk. I'm sure plenty in the coming weeks. Uh, can't help himself. You're going to give him a call. Him. Yeah, you're going to give him a call as soon as the show's over. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we might, might have to. Yeah. yeah. Um, real quick before we go, Lance, we have the Showtime card that you uh, spoke about quickly. Headlines by 122-pound title fight between Angelo Leo against Stephen Fulton. That's a fun fight. And then the co-feature, I think, is really flying under the radar. Victor Pasillas against Raise Alim. Um, that's a good fight. Really good fight. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's the first um, card of the year for Showtime in PBC. And that's Saturday on Showtime. What do you think, Lance? Yeah, I mean, both guys uh, uh, with Leo and Fulton, I, I like this fight a lot because they, they're both are both of these guys are really fighting for something. I mean, Fulton uh, spoke to me about not only coming back from COVID, but he's a Philly fighter. I mean, him and Ennis, um, and they, ha- they have a lot of pride. I mean, if there's really a brotherhood of fighters in any American city, it really is Philadelphia. And these guys have taken some hits, you know, with uh, guys like J-Rock. Um, Tevin Farmer taking taking some L's in, in the last year. And and Fulton's really kind of bound and determined to kind of restore the good name of Philadelphia uh, fighters in this in this fight. And then Angelo Leo coming out of the Mayweather gym, you know, a guy who basically was uh sleeping out of his car um to to live his dream as a boxer and, and has elevated the world champion. I like this. I mean, there's a lot in play here, Mike, uh, from the from the heart perspective. And uh, I think this this fight is kind of and like you said the 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 co-main that you mentioned, it's kind of flying below the radar. But you know what? As a, if you're a fight fan, I think it deserves a lot of attention. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy it on Saturday night. All right, guys, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. And if you haven't, in the meantime, please like, subscribe, rate, and review as always. Catch you next time.